we're beginning a new series. It's called Making Room for Jesus. And in that series today, we're going to start with this. We're going to talk about moving from fear to faith. And one of the biggest mistakes that we make as humans is this, that we don't make room enough for Jesus in our lives. When you look at the world, has the world made room for Jesus? So don't you want to make room for Jesus? You don't want to make that mistake in your life. The world has already made the mistake, and look at what a mess it is. And so our lives become really messy when we don't have room for Jesus in our lives. But what happens when we do make room for Jesus in our lives and there's still a mess? We're going to talk about that today. And as we go through this series, the questions you're going to be challenged with center around these. Have you made room for Jesus in your personal life? We're going to talk more and more about that over these next few weeks. Have you given him his space in your life? There's reserved space for Jesus in your life. Have you given him that space? Is he free to be in that space? Are you giving him what he wants from your life? He bought you. He paid for you. Are you giving him what he wants? Well, who is he to say what he wants? (laughs) Well, he's God. That's who he is. Have you made him a home inside of you? Does he feel at home inside of you? Does he feel at rest and at peace? Does he feel like you're accommodating for what he likes and doesn't like in your life? Are you doing what he wants in and with your life? Those are great questions. So Christmas, you know the story. Mary and and Joseph, they show up in Bethlehem. And what did they find? They found there was no room for Jesus. There was no room for them in the end. They couldn't find a place to be able to give birth to the son. One of of the most important things in people's lives is being able to give birth. But more than that, the most important event that happened in the history of all of humankind and all of the universe is God was born as a baby. And so they come into town and there was no room for Jesus. There was no room in the inn for him. And that's how Jesus' life got started. So today as we talk about from fear to faith, let's start with Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, and let's talk about Joseph. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph probably wasn't laying there in bed thinking about the fact that I'm in the lineage of David. He probably didn't go to sleep that night thinking, yeah, I'm one of David's kids, some generations removed. He probably wasn't even thinking about that. He probably ate something, went to bed that night, and had no idea that an angel was going to show up and say, hey, the biggest promise God has ever made is about to come to pass. David is your great-great-great-great-grandfather. That means you're chosen to be something huge, something big. A promise comes through David's lineage. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph 
went to bed probably angry, probably frustrated, wondering what he's going to do with this woman that he's engaged to because she's pregnant. And he comes to him saying, Joseph, son of David, you're a part of the promise. Think about that. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For this, she didn't sleep with another man. God placed this baby inside of her. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Afraid? If you've ever been pregnant, if you've felt overwhelmed, ladies, afraid? Guys, if you've ever lost your job, you've felt overwhelmed, maybe afraid? It's the same as being pregnant, you know? Maybe you were pursuing a dream or had a goal in life and all of a sudden you got broadsided and it didn't come to pass the way that you thought it should or would. You know, Joseph had planned to take Mary on as his wife and when he found out she was pregnant, poof, man, that threw things into a, a tailspin. You can imagine what that, what is he supposed to think? What is he supposed to think? She's like, I don't know. God said he did this. I don't have a clue what happened. He was afraid, and you can imagine, he was making the mistake, the biggest mistake in his life. He was rejecting this woman as his wife. He was saying, no, I'm not going to marry her now. And often we have these preconceived ideas of how God works, don't we? We think that God is going to be worried about reputation. We think that God is going to be worried about what the, how things look. Was he really very worried about it this time? Suddenly this young virgin woman is pregnant and she starts going through ridicule. You know, if God is in this, it's going to look like God is in this, is the point, right? And if God were really in my life, then he wouldn't let me be facing these problems. And if we... Read into other, we can read into others' lives and we can say, well, okay, if they really have God in their life, then this is what it's going to look like. They're going to be blessed. They're going to look holy. They're going to look like they have everything together and everything's going to really look great in their life. Because why? That's the sign of God in their life. And that just isn't what Jesus was doing here. It's not what God was doing here. Can you hear the ridicule and the chatter about Mary in town? And can you hear what Joseph's friends were telling him? Man, don't do it. Don't do it. She's lying to you. No one looked and saw the holiness or godliness that was actually there. And God was living inside of her. And nobody could see it. It's awesome. People are looking for reasons to not believe, aren't they? We're looking for reasons to, to condemn, to judge, looking for reasons to not believe that God is truly at work in someone else's life. Why? Because if God is truly working, if God is truly doing something, then that means I would be stupid for not jumping on board and being in it with, with him and myself. Because if God is truly doing something, it would mean that I need to commit myself to that. Are you following me? 
And so if we can look and see God's not doing something in that, oh no, that's not God, God wouldn't do it that way, then, well, I don't have to commit. Then I don't have to be a part of. You see, we need to understand that this is how God works. This is how God does things. When God is doing something, especially when He's doing something big, He gives many people an opportunity to be a part of it, but very few will step out of fear into faith and actually begin to participate in something God is doing. Because God always gives the opportunity for people to find fault with what He's doing. He always does. This is how Jesus did His ministry. He said a lot of things that people didn't understand. A lot of things that were easy for people to condemn Him of. He did a lot of things that people were able to look at and go, Whoa, that's not God. He let a woman of ill repute wash His feet with her hair and her tears. And it was in that moment that Judas looked, and and the Scripture says Satan filled his heart in that moment. He looked and said, oh, there's no way. That's God. And all of the disciples thought the same thing. But they struggled with it, and they continued to believe and make room for Jesus in their life, even though they didn't understand it. You see, Joseph looked at Mary, and he was afraid to marry her. But what a huge mistake that would have been. He would have missed out on being the earthly father of God if he had judged the situation wrong and stayed with that judgment even even after God talked to him. And Joseph almost made the biggest mistake of his life and the biggest mistake we make in our lives, and that is we don't make room for Jesus. How much room have you made for Jesus in your life? Joseph's life was about to change. He dreamed of having a family, a cute little woman, come home from work to to at the end of the day, the white picket fence, the puppy dog, the whole nine yards. He just dreamed that everything was going to be fine and wonderful. I'm working. I've got a job. I've got a good lady that I'm going to marry. And all these things are going to be great. And suddenly God throws a wrench in it and says, no. Your life is going to be about my purpose and what I want you to accomplish in this life and what I need you to do. And aren't you grateful that Mary and Joseph did their part? Joseph almost made the biggest mistake, though. He was not going to make room for Jesus. You see, fear is your opportunity for faith in life. When you face fear, it's an opportunity for you to take a step of faith. Especially when your fear has to do something with what God wants you to do with the rest of your life. You see, there are two doorways that you come to when you come to the threshold of fear. One is failure and the other is faith. You can choose the path of failure or you can choose the path of faith. You have a choice. Excuse me. You have a choice. Am I going to walk in failure or am I going to walk in faith? It's your choice. And walking in faith, I got to be honest with you, it's not easy. Was it easy for Mary and Joseph? Not at all. Was it fulfilling? You know it was. Even as her son hung on the cross many years later, it was fulfilling. Fear is your opportunity for faith. So let me ask you, what are you afraid of? What does God want in your life that you're afraid of? What is God doing in your life that you're afraid of? 
What does he want from you? What does he want in your life? What does he want to use you for? And you're afraid of that. It's time to turn that fear into faith. Take a step of faith. Are you afraid to let God do what he wants to do with the rest of your life? Are you afraid that he's going to take you somewhere that you don't want to go? Are you afraid that he's going to have you commit to something that you don't want to do? Are you afraid that the pastor is going to come and ask you to preach one Sunday? And you're going to, what? What if? What if? Now, as pastor, there are times that I know that God has put a call in someone's life. And I may communicate that with you at some point by God's direction. What if you've been running from a call in your life all your life? And God wants you to do something. It's time to stop running. It's time to step out of that fear into faith. The fear of failure will keep you stuck in a place of depression, frustration, meaninglessness. But God has a call for each of you. And he knows what he wants to do in your life. If Jesus, and I, I love this, this question, I'm, I'm going to ask it multiple times through the years. Uh, some of you, you even heard it just a couple of weeks ago. But I love this concept. If Jesus were to come to you today and say, hey, I need specific things done in specific time for the rest of your life in order to accomplish my plan and purpose. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tap you out. You get to go to heaven, and I'm going to finish the rest of your life out living in your body. What would Jesus do with your life? What would he do with your memories? The things that happened to you when you were little and you still haven't worked through, still haven't got over the trauma. Your failures. What would he do with those? What would he do with the most embarrassing moments or the most shameful moments of your life? What would he do with those? Would he hold on to them and let them continue to drive him? What would Jesus do with your health? Oh, man, John, I've got all this problem. What would Jesus do with that for the rest of your life? What would he do with it? Figure it out. What would Jesus eat? What would Jesus drink? What, where would Jesus go? Who would be your friends from, the, from now to the rest of your life? Would he have to cut some people out? Would he have to, what would he have to do? Would he have to find new friends to accomplish what he wanted to do? You can do that with the rest of your life. You don't need Jesus to come and take over your life like that. You can let him begin to work and through you and do things in your life and teach you where he wants you to go and tell you where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. What if Jesus came and rocked your world like he did Mary and Joseph? They weren't sitting around praying for the Messiah to come to them and through them. But God made it happen. And there are things that God wants to do in and through you that only you can do. And if Jesus were to come and take over the rest of your body, the rest of your life using your body, what, 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 what would he do with that? What would he do with your church? What ministry would he get involved in? What would he do here on a Sunday morning? What would he do in this body? What would Jesus do with your financial situation? How would he use your talents? What would he do with the rest of your life? And that's your job to figure out. What are your fears? 
You see, when you're standing in a place of fear, it's time to take a step of faith. It's time to take a step of faith. John, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my marriage. Okay, what would Jesus do with that? What would he do with it? Take a step of faith. Do it the way he would do it. You need to begin to ask God this question, though. What is that step of faith? What is that next step of faith, Father? And when he communicates it to you, he will lead you, he will direct you, and he will give you a step of faith to take. One of the ways to recognize it, though, is it comes with fear. And when you have fear, there's also a step of faith that you need to take. And God will help you with that. And if he doesn't give you that step of faith to take, then what? Put your rest in him and trust in him. Relax. Wait for him to give you direction. Don't take a step until then. Be still and know. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 and verses 7 through 11 says this. God is our refuge and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear... Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. That means think about that. All right. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about it. He's, he's with us. He's our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about it. Meditate on it. You see, God wants you to turn your fear into faith today. And if God is that, if he is all that, the Lord Almighty, then you have nothing to worry about. Have you put your life in his hands? And have you recognized that this life isn't about you getting what you want, as hard as it is to say and, and believe even for myself? There are things that have happened in my life because of the call of God in my life. I absolutely believe that. That God has allowed, that God has even caused or brought into my life that I don't like. But it's all about His purpose, His plan, and what He wants to accomplish in your life. And God is asking you to turn your fear into faith, a step of faith. If you're afraid to do something because you might fail, it's time to do it. Do it anyway. God is the God of the failed as much as he is the God of the successes. So, when God called Moses, I love the story when Moses goes to the burning bush, and there's this bush that's on fire. You understand, Moses was like 80 years old when this happened. Everybody say, 80 years old. His voice shook. And he's like... God, I can't do this. God, you got the wrong guy. God told him, I need you to go to Egypt, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. I'm 80 years old. You've got the wrong guy. 
Moses didn't even own his own sheep at the time. He was watching his father-in-law's sheep. He didn't have his own home. He didn't have his own stuff. He, had, he was living off his father-in-law for the last 40 years of his life. And he's hanging out, watching these sheep, and he sees this bush burning, and, and God speaks to him from this bush and says, this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. But God, I had plans. I got my wife here. I got my kids here. We're doing, I'm probably going to eventually be able to take over this place and at least have something for my own family for the, for the first time in my life. And God's like, no. I want you to go to Egypt. Do this. And look at all the excuses he gave to him. I'm going to read the excuses he gave. But why me? What makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children out of Egypt? What? What makes you think, God? <laughs> what a question. It's pretty brazen, isn't it? And God answers him. And then verse 13, suppose I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What do I tell them then, God? See, I can't go because I don't even know your name. Blah, 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 blah. God's like, here's my name. Tell them. And he answers them. I am. Exodus 4, verse 1. But God, they won't trust me. They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say, God, appear to him? Hardly. So, can't go, God. Sorry. God answers him. Patiently answers him. Imagine how God is starting to feel at this moment. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Moses raised another objection to God in verse 10. Master, please, I don't talk well. And he probably started stuttering on purpose at this point. I, 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 I see God, I can't do it. See can't do it. Never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. See, you just heard it. Just heard it. And God said, and who do you think made the human mouth? God's starting to get a little ticked. And who makes some mute, some deaf, some sighted, some blind? Isn't it I, God, so, get going. I'll be right there with you, <laughs> with your mouth. I'll be right there so teach, to teach you what to say. He said, oh, master, please send somebody else. And God got angry with Moses. What if God came to you today and said, Damon, uh, what you've been doing, okay. But for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to do. Sam, for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to do. I, your plans, okay. But no. Aaron, for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to do. What would you do with that? But God, 
I have this problem. I have an addiction to chocolate. <laughs> Problems. And I can't stop it. Who do you think made your body? Who do you think can tweak everything inside of you? You will begin to move in God's direction for your life. What do you think that would really do in your life? Make room for Jesus. Are you stuck on your plans so much that there is no room for Jesus? Moses had to make room, big room. God changed his entire direction and trajectory for life. You know, Jesus didn't even have a safe place to be born. God came into this world didn't even have a safe place to be born. His earthly parents, they were poor. They weren't wealthy. Well, surely if God's going to come into this world, He's going to come in and He's going to have a magnificent palace and He's going to be with wealthy parents at least. He's going to have a golden spoon to feed Him and all of that. His parents weren't even married when she got pregnant with Him. This did not have the appearance of God on it at all. And later in Jesus' life, as I mentioned earlier, there were people that just walked away from Jesus because he did not look like God. He was ugly. And if you read back in Psalms, it was, that was prophesied. Jesus was not a good-looking dude. Surely God would make him look gloriously beautiful with blue eyes. He's a Jew. Jews don't have blue eyes. I, I've never seen one myself, that is. The Bible says that so many of his followers turned away from him because he didn't look like God at times. And he was quite fine with that. And when God is doing something, you need to be aware that because your human antennas are there, they're going to be looking to see if God is in this. And you better beware that you could possibly miss out on something big that God is doing around you that you could and should get your life involved in. 100%. Because if God's in it, why not? And while humans were rejecting Jesus, what was the Father saying? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I think so much of this church in so many ways. And I look at this kind of an understanding of God's movement. And I see in so many ways through the years God's signature on this house. And I, th I think that's why you're here. Because you see it too. We don't have the appearance of great success. People don't come in and go, whoo, this place is blowing and going. They don't, they don't walk in and say that. It doesn't have that feeling about it. We aren't wealthy. And it seems that I was talking to Amy this week. And I said, you know, our church is more like going to visit the island of misfit toys. 
We're a bunch of misfits, aren't we? We don't fit anywhere else. Not even me. I just wouldn't fit in any, anywhere else. We have a bunch of religious rejects. <laughs> and, it's, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Some of you got kicked out of church. Some of you. <laughs> we aren't the prettiest church in town. Well, the people are, though. We aren't married to a denomination. Now, you understand. Running in the pastor's circles years ago, I know what it looked like to go to district councils, and people would sit and look through the district council book, the denomination that we were in, and see what churches gave how much to missions because it's prestigious. We don't have somebody that's going to reward us for doing these missions projects other than him. Nobody's going to look and see Relate Churches somewhere and we gave this amount of money to missions and, and so that I can walk around and I'm the pastor of Relate Church. We don't have any of that. We're not pretty. We're not blowing and going. We're not anything that anyone would look at and go, Oh man, God's movement is there. And like Mary walking through the streets with that baby inside of her, people love her. How many people you got going to your church, pastor? First question people always ask. What are they doing? Is God in this? And here's this baby. God himself living inside this little woman. She's scared half to death. Her life has changed. She didn't ask for it. But God said, Mary, I need to do this. I need your body and I need the rest of your life to accomplish what I want to do in this world. And I will be with you. You'll just trust me. I know what it is to be afraid. I know what it is to step out in faith. And I know what it is to step out in faith and fall flat on my face. And fail. Did God fail me? No. You see, all of that created in me a resilience and stuff, faith inside of me and trust in him and the ability to have grace and mercy on you as you fall and fail and mess up and you continue to trust and love him in spite of things not making sense. I understand all of that. I don't understand all the stuff that God has done in my life, but I trust him. 
and I believe in him. And I do know that there are times that he's done things that I never understood and things that I really felt stupid about. But I'm sure that in the process of it, it helped to reach you. It made a difference somehow in the kingdom. And if you'll trust him, instead of looking and going, but God, is this really you? No, it can't be you because if, it wouldn't be this way. It wouldn't it would be easier. Or it would be better. Or it would be more successful looking or it would be more glorious looking if it was God. If God was in it, then th- this is what it would be. You see, when you're afraid, you have, to st- you have to stop and you have to tell yourself, no, I am a child of the living God. And even if I did mess up, even if I did fail, my God is still with me. He still holds me in the palm of his hand. He still loves me and he still believes in me and he still walks with me and he will never leave me nor forsake me. And I trust him. Even if the rest of the world looks at me and says, now there's a fool. I believe in him. You see, God knows right where you are. He knows right where you are. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows how to get you where you need to be as well. And even when things don't go as you planned, he's got his hand on you. Don't be afraid. Be a person of faith. Step out in faith. Remember Jonah? Jonah, go preach to the people of Nineveh. Nope. Hate them don't like them, don't care what you want me to do, I'm going to go that direction instead of this direction. He went that direction, and a few days later, he was thrown up on land in this direction. God's got a few whales still out there. He knows how to get you where he wants you. And if you want to be throw up, that's your choice. You see, God enjoys being involved in things that the normal churchgoer would condemn. What? Often they found Jesus at lunch or dinner with the biggest town sinner. Jesus was doing some things like picking food on the Sabbath out of the fields. The normal churchgoer said, can't be God. The Bible says that there will be opportunities that God gives For people to help strangers that unwittingly don't, that they don't realize are angels. What does that mean? That means you're going to come across people in your life that are actual angels and you will make zero connection that they are connected to God at all. And you will have the opportunity to help them. You can't always be the gauge of what God is doing and what God isn't doing. You've got to look and see the finger of God beyond what your flesh tells you. And you've got to trust Him. And your life may look like God is not in it. But if you want Him to be in it, I guarantee you, He's in it. And if you'll trust Him, and if you'll walk with Him. I want to end with this story in uh, 1 Kings 19. It's where Elijah is running from his life. Remember Queen Jezebel? That's a real queen, all right? And he was running from his life from Jezebel. And he ran out into the desert and he sat under a tree and he was whining and complaining. Oh, God, I've had enough, Lord. I'm done. I wish you would never let me live. Take my life. I'm no better than any of my ancestors. And he's just whining and complaining. He's depressed. 
He was so discouraged because God wasn't doing things the way that he wanted him to do them. Things weren't looking right. If God was in this, I wouldn't have to run from this queen. You know, if God was really in this, I wouldn't be running for my life and everything would be better. I just had this great experience back here where I called fire down out of heaven and then here I am. I'm depressed and bad things are happening. I'm running for my life and I don't understand God. Where are you? He was frustrated, and God did something that is so cool in this. He sent an angel, and the angel actually cooked food on a fire for him, a couple of meals, had him go to sleep. The angel nurtured him back to health. Isn't that awesome? I'd like that. And he got up, and he went to Horeb, the mountain of God, and God spoke to him there. And I want to read this to you. James David, would you come? And God started with this question. So Elijah, what are you doing here? What a great question. What are you doing here? Well, I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies. That's what I'm doing here. And it has brought to me I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant destroyed the place of worship murdered your prophets I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me that's what I'm doing here God said, go stand on the mountain at attention before God, and God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire, and after the fire, a gentle, quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak. And he went to the mouth of the cave and he stood there and a quiet voice asked, So, Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? And God is asking you this same question today. located you today. And there's one thing that you can do today that he wants. And that is to start making room for Jesus in your life. Well, God, I was trying to do my best for you. I was trying to serve you and my husband, my wife, my kids, my family, my job. My, all of this stuff happened. God of the angel armies could have fixed all of this stuff. But here I am today, and I'm sitting here in this little church, and 
I don't even know that God is in this because if he was in it, it would be a huge church, blowout church, and all of that. So I don't even know where you are. God of the angel armies. God says, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, but if you were here, you would come in like a hurricane and you would fix my problems, you would fix my issues, you would come in and just blow up our lives. No, 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 no. Not in the hurricane. Well, if you were if you were really in this, then you'd be shaking my life and you'd be shaking this place. You'd be shaking this community. And everybody would be running and falling on their knees and crying out to you and repentance and all of that. God, if you were in it, that's what it would look like. And it's like, no, I'm not in the earthquake either. Well, if you were in this, then you'd be like a prairie fire just running across the land, bringing in the harvest, and you'd be doing something, God of the angel armies, you'd be at least fixing my life and my marriage, my frustrations, whatever's going on in my life. You'd be taking care of all of that. No, 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 no. Not in the fire. you to make room for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. And he says, I promise you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the earth. And I'm coming back. you see me, you're going to realize you've known me all your life, and you've seen me all your life, and you've heard my voice all your life. Now it's time to begin to learn his voice. Would you bow your heads? Have you really made room for Jesus in your life? Or did you just say a prayer and hope that it's going to get you to heaven one day? Have you really made room for him? What is it that he has called you to do for the rest of your life? You're not an accident. He has purpose and meaning in everything he does. broadsided and this happened and that happened. Okay. He's still God. Would you give your life to him today? Would you make room for Jesus in your life today? Lord Jesus, I decide that you are Lord of my life and I'm, I make room for you in my life. just like you did these people in the Bible I know that it is your right to just completely take over my life 
And so I give it to you. Thank you for purchasing me with your blood. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. God, I give you my memories. I give you my failures. I even give you my successes. I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives within me. I give you my plans, my hopes, my future. And I say, I am yours and you're mine. I belong to you, God. And I certainly make room for you in my life. In Jesus' name.